Wrestling with New Resolutions, and we're trying to do this show on a more regular basis. So welcome to episode number 70 of Ed Finkler's Development Hill Podcast. I am your special permanent co-host, Chris Harchis. Uh, Ed's on the other side. Ed, we actually haven't spoken today except me taunting you via um, uh, Google Hangout. How are you? Yeah, uh, good. And you did taunt me a little bit. Um, I th- try to think what you made fun of me about. I don't know. I can't get to my phone easily, but I'm sure it was embarrassing. Actually, I'm going to see. I think it was something about... I know that the other day I asked you what was going on. You say you're too busy watching Steel. And I, and, and I said, well, I wouldn't know because I've blocked you on Twitter for months now oh that's a good point steel's a really good movie and i could talk a lot about that yeah we can just talk about that real briefly before we get to the sponsor and stuff i know that you i used to listen to that pod show how did this thing get made and i just found it um just too goddamn annoying um and didn't like it and i stopped listening to it but i know they were going to do an episode about uh about um about uh, Steel, because uh, Shaquille O'Neal's uh, the the one movie that I did that was actually better than um, the one where he was the genie. What was that one called? Kazam. No, Kazam. No, what was Kazam? Is that what it's called? Yes. But uh, from I did see it was kind of funny. It's almost like they just kind of did it because they're like contractually forced to. It's like you said that chapters things are just literally every ten minutes. They're like this is a chapter. This is a chapter. Yeah, this is a chapter. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, on the front of it. Well, for years, you know, I've been I'm a early Twitter adopter. And as soon as Shaq got on Twitter years ago, I would message him. I'd mention him uh, and say, Hey dude, when is steel coming out on DVD? I would ask him. No, he he never responded. (laughs) I probably asked him seven or eight times. When is steel coming out on DVD? Cause he couldn't get it on DVD. Finally, it was released. And I purchased it for not cheap. It was like $15. That movie is worth it. It is part of the Warner Brothers archive collection. Is it really? That is what this says. Yes. Oh, no talking. No, no, ask you any guests. Don't talk until they're introduced. See, someone should have told her before. She wants to get on on this. I don't um, care. It's not her show. Get her right. own damn podcast if she wants to talk about her, what movie she likes. That's a fair point. That's a good point. Uh, so, uh, yes, uh, it is part of the archive collection, which I guess is just like the collection of shit we had laying around, like stuff Listen. that was discs that were piled up on somebody's desk. Right. It wouldn't shock me if many times it's like some some actor or producer or director will like do a movie, but they're like, this other thing's got to get done first before I agree to it. Because I hear stuff like, you know, an actor will do like some shitty sequel to some movie because mm-hmm. then the next thing they get to do is like some movie they really wanted to. Like I know uh, that was, um, uh, oh my God, what's her name now? Uh, Sandra Bullock. She did... I think it was Speed 2 yeah. in exchange for being allowed to do some other movie that she really, really wanted to do. So that was kind of like the studio said, all right, well, we'll fund this other artsy movie that you want to do, but you have to do Speed 2. So she was yeah. like, all right. So, But anyway, with uh, with the wonders of steel out of the way, why don't you uh, say something nice about our sponsors for episode number 70? Well, we have a couple. Um, a couple new exciting uh, sponsors that are coming at you. Uh, the first one is uh, Wonder Network, and they are sponsoring the bandwidth of uh, this uh, program. Uh, and I'm just going to go. I want to give you uh, the a first blush, a first appearance. What is Wonder Networks? Is What do they do? I'm going to their website. I'm checking it out. 
And what I see are, uh, I see a, an orange map of the Earth, really mostly the northern part. Um, what do they call that now? The, the south, the global south. Dude, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, so I think they're not mostly in the global south. They're mostly in the global north. And uh, there's a bunch of dots around it, and I think those are tracking infections. I think uh, Wonder Network tracks uh, infected peoples with some sort of uh, super virus. That is what I'm going with. I think that's what they're working on now. And that's 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 what I know. I it could be a warning sign. Is there a pandemic? How would we know? Where are the answers? Look to Wonder Network for those answers. They have a number of products. Uh, a Wonder Proxy. That means you get a you get a proxy, and who doesn't want one of those? Um, where's it up? There's a question mark at it. The name of it is not where's it up, and then no punctuation. It includes the punctuation, so it is where's it up. Like and so the and when you say it, you have to your vo- the pitch of your voice has to go up a little bit at the end. Where's it up? And that tells you where's it up. And also, where's it fast? But those are the only two that have question marks. The other two or three are natural load testing to test loads. Uh, Wonder VPN to uh, make your VPNs wonderful. And global ping statistics, which uh, I don't know what that means. Is that what, what does it mean to ping? What does that mean? Do you know what that means? I don't. Isn't that thing? Isn't the thing that they used to do on Facebook? You'd ping somebody, and they remove that oh. functionality. I think this restores it. Oh, that's my. Oh, that's a pretty big coup uh, to uh, get it, to get a partnership uh, like with Facebook like that going. That's yeah, pretty good. Congrats yeah. to uh, Paul and the team. Global poke statistics. It's it tracks your pokes and takes care of all that for you. Uh, and then it's kind of like clout, but for poking. Clout, but for poking. Wow, that's yeah, okay. that's some strong so, marketing material there. So, so that's what those folks are working on. Uh, 203 locations. Uh, I don't know how they do that with like four employees, but that's okay. 77 countries, six continents. I would like to know what continents that they don't cover. What is it? Do they not have an Antarctic? Uh, that's That would be my guess. Antarctica would be the last one. Yeah, but we need to know. Is it localized well, you know, for Antarctica? Is the localization working? Well, you know, and we both know what Paul's uh, Twitter handle is, so we should definitely ask him when the show's over uh, if the one's the one continent they don't have a server on, if it is in fact Antarctica, and why they just can't make that happen. I'm pretty sure he's blocked me. <laughs> well, I know he doesn't follow me. I okay. don't think I'm blocked though. So, I will make it but up. After, but, yeah. but after this question, maybe I'll oh, wait, it, Yes. Yeah. So we should, we're going to need to make some other accounts, um, some sock accounts. Um, yeah. 
and uh, ask him some questions. Like demand it's answers. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask him right now while, while you're talking about the next sponsor. It's about ethics and poke statistics. <laughs> and uh, our next sponsor is Rove. And um, now Rove, I think we all know, has gone through some changes lately. Um, there were investigations, uh, money exchanged hands. People are asked to leave. Uh, what they're into now is, uh, if you've seen, uh, have, have, have you two seen the force awakens? I'm just going to assume the guest has, cause she's not allowed to talk yet. Chris, have you seen that movie? I have. I did. I went with my uh, with my long suffering wife, and I yeah. and we brought our uh, youngest daughter because our oldest daughter had seen it already. Right, because she just went on her own because she doesn't like you guys. That's right. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Right. So if you know the guy who buys junk from people, and then gives them like sort of some sort of like uh, uh, shrinky dink food. That's what Rove is doing now. So if you have junk that you'd like to give them, like old computers, uh, maybe uh, an X-Wing helmet. Or like this JavaScript carousel is worth one yep. quarter portion. And then yes. you hand the little bag, baggie with the Soylent in it over to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is what happens. And so, yeah. Yeah, so they will take software and hardware. Um. And yeah, I've got a uh, an Alesis M1 Active Monitor that broke on me, so I'm going to bring that to them and uh, toss it down and see what kind of uh, you know uh, shrinky dink food I can get. You think you can overcome your fear of flying to go down to the depot where it is in Arizona? Uh, I was going to take one of those land speeders. Okay, it could be a good ride. I don't know. You might have to put uh, might have to put snow tires on it, but. Yeah, we're only getting a tiny bit of snow, so I think uh, I think we'll be okay. Was that a kazoo? No, that was just my watch buzzing at me. Oh, hey, you're blowing up, man. That's right, I'm blowing up. Anyway, Paul so actually, Paul answered me, so he's not. Uh, I'm not actually blocked. So his exact quotes were. Uh, I will tell you what he said. He said, "Fuck you." Yeah. Okay. He said, no, he says it is. We're actually considering moving to a data model with more continents, as Eurasia has too many servers. But of course, we all know that Wonder Network has always been at war with Eurasia. That's a good point. That's a good point. Very. All right, I'm going to. Uh, Take my watch off and move it someplace where we won't hear it buzzing. Literary. Literary references. I think we all <laughs> appreciate right. that. Well, you know, George Orwell's loving this new age, that's for sure. Rove is filled with them. Uh, that dude who makes doctrine or whatever, uh, all he does now is he just puts his feet up. He uh, reads a copy of Animal Farm and uh, passes out. Uh, like, it says 12 uh, you know, four joins are better than two joins. Is that what he's saying? Yeah. He says, uh, 36 see, see joins kids, for the robot. <laughs> see kids listening along the four joins is better than two joins is a combination making fun of ORMs and a shout out to animal farm. Cause I'm sure some of the listeners have no idea who, who wrote animal farm or, or they don't even know what a farm is. Mm. They think beef comes from a can. Some joins are more joined than others. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, 
like how we're such nerds, Ed. Oh. <laughs> remember when I uh, remember in the podcast at uh, Seattle PHP where I was making. Are you talking about Jesuits? I was talking about Thomas Aquinas and like <laughs> nobody. Was, what are you talking <laughs> about? Just blank looks. Just blank. They're too busy. Nothing. Like when are when are Phil and, and Ben Edmonds going to be on? That's basically what everyone else. Yeah, exactly. Right, 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 right. <sighs> what are those guys going to be on? Times. All right, I guess we can finally say who our guest is. Say your name, occupation, and why you're here. Uh, well, if you insist, uh, my name is Amanda Folson. I'm a developer evangelist at PagerDuty. Uh, that is the thing that they tell me anyway. And uh, I'm here because I was heckled into joining. Yeah, that makes that, that, that sense. Yeah. Well, like I went to like the I went to the bathroom for like ten minutes. I drop a deuce and I come back and all of a sudden Amanda's on the show. That was like really not cool. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry for your suffering. Because she's a dedicated anti-Canuckite. Although she always claims it's just me that she doesn't like and not all Canadians. It's, it's true. I work with Canadians every single day. They're of course, because uh, Silicon Valley is full of them infiltrating and slowly warping the system. Or, we'll, bring cap- we'll bring capitalism to its knees. Don't you worry. Yeah, see, that's, a, that's sort of like not Canadian of you. Uh, Canadian seems like they'd be nicer about that. Oh, so- oh sorry. 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 Sorry about capitalism, eh? <laughs> yes, Amanda is a longtime friend of the show. I actually foolishly uh, invited her to speak at my conference uh, this past year. She gave an awesome talk. Uh, were you at PHP World? Because I'm trying to remember. Yes, I was. Yes, you were. Okay. And we played Magic the Gathering and did nerd. Oh, that's right. You you played uh, Commander and did quite yeah. poorly. Um, did. Well, you were learning. It was okay. Yeah, first game, and uh, out of four people, I came in second, so that counts for something, right? Well, second place is first loser. Well, yeah, but um, when did you bow out again? Uh, I made it all the way to the final four. <laughs> yeah, okay, and uh, when were you DQ'd? D- D- you don't even know the game. I'm not even going to answer these stupid questions. Let's move on to the next topic. It's got laid hard. <laughs> <laughs> You were whatever. Old. All right. So, uh, so we have a few things we wish to, uh, talk about that are hopefully relevant. Um, wait, what does the developer evangelist do also at duty pager? Uh, yes. So a, it's like a poop pager. Yeah, actually. Uh, so <laughs> actually re- real talk for a second. We do have stickers that have, uh, the little turd emoji on them. Oh, I like uh, that. So it's got the pager and the turd. Yeah. It's, mm. it's pretty great. Uh, so developer evangelist, if you do like some crazy Venn diagram of my career would pretty much look like a sales marketing, um, developer and product manager. So I kind of sit in between at any given time I'm going to conferences, making words at people, uh, doing podcasts. Apparently that's a thing now. And yes. Are you getting paid <laughs> for this right now? Uh, well, so I'm salaried. So technically. Uh, so no, gross. You can't see the quotation fingers, but they're there. And, uh, yeah, so PagerDuty, at its most basic, uh, offers a platform that allows you to funnel alerts from your different monitoring tools into one location. And from there, we can alert the right people based on some escalation policies you create. So, for example, if your database is falling over, we're going to alert your database team instead of some knock or somebody who's on call who's just going to alert the database team anyway. Are you just reading from marketing materials? No, but I literally give this pitch so much I could probably do it in my sleep. <sighs> one time I got a knock. <laughs> <laughs> I know what that means. I do know someone else that works at Pager Duty, so I guess yeah, I guess you folks are okay. See, you know, Reg, see Reg he's Reg a nice Wade. Canadian. Yeah, he's a very he's, nice Canadian. Oh, is he there? He is. Uh, he's he has actually is a very super nice human being. He's way so. smarter than you. Yeah. 
<laughs> that's why she's helping developers. No, no, no. I was talking about Chris. <laughs> what? I was throwing you under the bus, Chris. I, you've done it so often, I don't even feel it anymore. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, so, developer evangelist, you. So, so how, why do you do PHP stuff then? Is it just because you have to do as your job? Did you used to do PHP development? Yeah, so uh, for a while I did some consulting stuff, uh, used PHP. Well, I guess I can back up even further. Uh, so I think probably nine, ten-year-old me got into computer programming for whatever reason, uh, started doing VBScript of all things, and then figured out, eh, this is kind of janky, doesn't really work on everything that I want it to work on. So it's like, how can I create some dynamic things that uh, browsers really won't have to care about? Uh, so then I stumbled upon PHP somehow. I think I was chatting with someone on IRC, because uh, IRC is the root of all evil and the cause of most of my problems. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just kind of got involved in that, uh, did some PHP stuff, ended up creating a Neopets clone, because that's what 10-year-old me was into, uh, which I actually still have. It is the world's worst code. Yes. Uh, but it's fun to look at every now and then. But yeah, so I, I kind of interact with a bunch of different communities. So I talk to Rails people, I talk to Python people. Uh, more generally, I, I talk to a lot of Linux people, um, but I, I really like the PHP community. Uh, overall and kind of PHP is always going to have that special place in my heart because it was the first thing that I really got into. Yeah. I used to watch it's a like lot. You never, of, for, you, you never forget your first, and that's a COC violation. Let's keep going. Gross. Uh, but <laughs> I was going to say it's like when I used to watch Unsolved Mysteries when I was a kid. I watched that all the time, and there was always some kind of reunited. Uh, you know, missing people who were reunited at the end and then were forced to act as if they know each other. <laughs> I always found some of those stories are funny where you found out that the person just like, that I haven't seen my dad in 25 years. Like he lives two streets over, buddy. I don't know how you managed to miss that all these years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they always walked seem- out, walked out, went to the bar. I never it's like, yeah, you hire a, provi- a private investigator in like about 17 minutes they get back to you and say, yeah, he lives two streets over. <laughs> Oops. I, uh, it always seemed like they seemed so happy when they would get together, but uh, I don't know. It seems like that might be a little awkward. You have to wonder how many times it takes to get to that as well. Like how many people get on the show and then beat the crap out of the person Yeah, thanks for leaving. That's like really dark. Why, like, why, why would you go there, Amanda? <laughs> Like Jesus Christ! Like I haven't seen you for thirty years. It's so happy, and then like you're like, and the guy pulls out a uh, pocket knife and like stabs him through the eye. I mean, that's like really, really dark that you went there, Amanda. You mean to tell me that if your dad said I'm I'm going to buy a pack of smokes and didn't come back, and you found out that he was living two streets away, that you would be you'd be elated to see him and wouldn't be angry that he went to get a pack of smokes thirty years ago? And well, I think if I'm dumb enough not to figure out my dad lives two streets over, two streets <laughs> over from me, I think there's a different issue at play, and my reaction is going to be ridiculous either way. Okay, fair. I think usually it wasn't deadbeat dads that they covered on Unsolved Mysteries. <laughs> <laughs> there was usually a little more to it, like it was. They had to they be put wearing, up. A person sat, sat across from me, they were wearing a coat that I liked, and I always wondered for 37 years what had happened to that person. Yeah, basically. So before Craigslist had the misconnections, yeah, it things, they, they ended up on Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah. <laughs> I met a GI in, uh, no, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Getting into another violation here. Yeah, sorry. 
we're all adults here. They don't have to listen. Um, <laughs> Cohen's kicking us off our own podcast. That's one of the beauties of, of doing this. Yeah. All uh, right. So I forgot what I, I oh, Amanda sent me a bunch of money via PayPal to not talk about where she used to work. So okay, we're going to skip that particular line item. <laughs> so See, I, we, warned, yeah. we warned Amanda, you don't really want to tell Ed and I anything really personal about you because at any time, it's going to appear up on Twitter when you, uh, mm-hmm. when you tweak us just the right way. All right. So mm-hmm. we're going to, next we're going to talk about the, what I put in the top because I did, I did the, the docket today. It says the battle for, I almost said you're the other skipping one. <laughs> you're skipping mine though. Oh, do you, you want to talk about that first then? No. Let's okay. Then we'll, we'll set this up. So I was bugging Ed mm-hmm. because I knew a while ago, Ed had bought a bike, bicycle. Yeah, uh, like two years ago. I mean, it was whatever it was. <laughs> Uh, two years ago, three years ago. And so Ed was very proud of himself and put up several pictures of him. And I'm doing air quotes, riding the bike. And I think he complained about how he actually had to move his feet yeah, to, to yeah. get it going. He didn't understand why it wasn't self-propelled. So I, you know, I said to him, um, do you still have your bike? Have you sold it? And he's like, he wrote it like once. I'm like, well, you're like a regular Greg LeMond. And then we started wondering whatever happened to Greg LeMond. And, and Ed, Ed thought that he had heard that Greg LeMond had been, like run through with a spear or something. And I said, there's no way that's true. So of course I went to the ultimate source of truth on the internet, Wikipedia. And uh, uh, he was in a car accident in 2013 on his way to the dentist. And uh, Ed and our guest both remarked that it's usually on the way back from the dentist Mm -hmm. that the depression sinks in. And it seemed, but always that euphemism, they lost control. What does the, that mean? The car. Now, now I don't know about you, Ed, you've probably been driving for almost as long as I've been driving. Yeah. my experience has been that when you're doing stupid things in your car, you know, not taking in, into consideration the weather conditions, yep. I don't think you really describe that as I lost control because by losing control means that you are operating the vehicle in an unsafe manner to begin with. So I'm, it's always, to me, it's always been yeah. a euphemism about like I was driving like a jackass and did a 720 and ended up uh, in the ditch uh, on the, you know, my car ended up on its roof in the ditch and it's written up as I lost control. It's like, no, 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 you don't lose control of a car. You're driving like a moron. Like every single day I fear for my life driving around where I live because people treat the stop signs like they're optional. Mm-hmm. And I've lost track of the number of times, uh, Cars pull up to stop signs and they have to slam on their brakes because they were intending to run through the stop sign. Mm-hmm. And I just happened to be driving by at that time. Mm-hmm. So, a polite PR crisis management sort of way of saying that uh, maybe the, the Percocet got a little too loud for him. Well, he, I wonder. But he was on his way there, not the way back. So, I, I mean, you don't know him. <laughs> don't well, judge him. And also, oh, maybe, maybe he had an issue that he was getting treated yeah, for and had to go maybe. to the dentist. Yeah, and maybe he was, yeah, getting a follow-up. So, Percocet, not even once. Yeah, it could be. I don't know. I'm, but, I, well, see, I remember because Lamont, there was this good 30 for 30, that ESPN 30 for 30 series. Uh, there was those, a, those things are awesome. There was a good documentary on Lamont and oh, and his him in the uh, Tour de France. And, uh, but when they're interviewing him, he's, there's, I, I'm at least in parts of it. There are clearly things that are wrong. He is still not in good shape. And I think he was being interviewed not a whole lot long after his accident. Yeah. Cause that accident was, uh, if I quickly flip back uh, January 30th, 2013. So like almost three years ago. Yeah. And so. I would have to think I saw that probably a year ago and you might think that it was probably being in production for a year. So it probably wasn't that long. Also, I think he got pretty fucked up. 
Well, yeah, because it says here he uh, he suffered a concussion and he left the road. Uh, that's a euphemism. I'm sure Amanda can fill me on in what it really means. What does that mean? Since she's a fucking expert on this, apparently. And it says, left the road, hit a fence and shrubs, then hit an embankment before ending up in the backyard of a home. That sounds like one hell of a loss of control to me. Sounds like one hell of a Percocet. <laughs> yeah. Dev hell, complete with a side order of slander, apparently. So... <laughs> I'm, and it says yeah. he may have lost consciousness before the accident. So there you go. I think this is that's the oh, little dear. key phrase here that I think the two of you are correct that there was some other issue uh, going on, and he just kind of like you know lost touch with reality for long enough to travel a quarter mile into someone's backyard. I know, uh, you know, this is it's kind of dark. I know a f- friend of mine's uh, uh, their parent. Uh, Somebody I know, they fell asleep at the wheel. It wasn't yep. like they were necessarily doing something. They were just super tired and passed yeah, no, out at the wheel. So. And, and they yeah, that's ran a, into somebody, that, like crossed the media, and it was real bad. Damn. Yeah, it was yeah. really bad. It was a bad scene. Yeah, that's a very common thing. People falling asleep while driving, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what to tell you. That's, that's why I don't really like uh, long drives and stuff like that. I worry yeah, about it can, it can be tough. sometimes falling asleep. Well, this is really hilarious. Tough. So... <laughs> um, so let's talk about another know, funny topic. That was a topic of, of speculating about Greg LeMond's lifestyle. So we uh, pushed past, past through that one. Now the next one. Uh, yeah, we're skipping the one because she paid me a bunch of money. Yep. Yeah, we'll talk about it in the we'll talk about it in the after show for anyone who sticks around. Because that's always we drop that stuff happens in the after show. Idea. Starts with an L. Anyway. Keep talking. Anyway, we're going to go to uh, uh, what I wrote down, the battle for, and I almost, <laughs> I almost said the other word again, the battle for CFC. So uh, if you uh, follow people on Twitter and follow PHP folks, you know right now there is a humongous uh, uh, internal discussion uh, going on because uh, a friend of the show, Anthony Ferreira. Yes, definitely uh, a friend of the show. He's a good guy. Real good guy. He's a good guy. I like Anthony. Um, did a request for comment, RFC for a code of conduct for the PHP project. So um, predictably, uh, lots of arguing. About I think specifically we should say it's for the language project. It's language not like project. anybody who ever uses PHP is bound by this, right? For so so. those who want to contribute to the language, I believe is, yes. is the, mm-hmm. what, they're, what they're talking about. Yes. Um, so predictably, uh, lots of people are butthurt about the idea of, of there being a code of conduct. People arguing over um, the wording, uh, the enforcement, the uh, um, resolution mechanisms, what it actually means. So I'm going to start off with my personal thoughts on it, and then we'll get Ed's thoughts. And then if we have time, we'll ask Amanda. <laughs> so <laughs> so my, my personal feelings are... Uh, I think it's become very clear. I think one of the interesting side effects of, of social media, the rise of social media, uh, and this also reminds me of the rise of the fact that uh, so many people have um, phones with cameras on them. Somebody once quite correctly pointed out that once uh, cell phones with cameras became almost ubiquitous, uh, UFO sightings are almost non-existent and cops are constantly being caught uh, beating people up. Uh, so, which is to say that the cops beating people up is something that's been happening forever. I think people behaving like assholes towards other people, specifically in the context of the PHP internals group, is something that has gone on for an extremely long time. And 
what the CEO, what's the rise of social media and other things is now more people can peer inside that process and more people can be made aware of what actually goes on. So, so more people know and find out it with every passing day, just how toxic the discussions in the PHP internals group can be with many, many different viewpoints, many, many different agendas. And so, but quite frankly, some of the behavior is like really, really bad. And people are forgetting this simple fact that there are ways to have involved in-depth technical discussions without insulting people, without calling people names, without questioning their agenda or their motives. So my personal feeling is that a code of conduct is an extremely long time coming and that the behavior of many people in response to the concept of there being a code of conduct reveals the reason why. That some people are unwilling to disentangle themselves from their contributions. And that's where the problems happen. People take criticism of their contributions as being criticisms of them instead of the work that they've done. And I've heard some people who I've talked to are even things like they're worried like the code of conduct could result in their career being ruined. And I'm thinking, Whose career is going to get wrecked if you're no longer allowed to commit to PHP? Like some of the excuses I hear about why a code of conduct is, they just, they seem ludicrous to me personally because I am fully capable of having a, of a technical discussion about either something that someone else has asked me to look at or something I have done without calling people horrible names and questioning their, questioning their sexuality, uh, their gender, um, their motives, all that stuff. I, I do know how to have discussions with people about technical stuff and keep it as a technical discussion. I think the code of conduct discussion demonstrates how many people are just simply unable to do that. So that's, I, I, I think fighting against the code of conduct is a losing battle because it will get passed and you have a choice. You can either keep, keep contributing to PHP or move on and do something else. It's as simple as that. You do not have a you do not have a a, a right to contribute to PHP. It's a privilege, uh, and it sucks how that privilege is handed out handed out, and sucks how sometimes that privilege is wielded as a stick by which to beat other people. But at the end of the day, uh, despite it being an open source project, it is a private project, and nobody has to take your contributions. Simple as that. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you're necessarily saying anything wrong about the you know about the state of the project. Um, I, uh, I think I feel that there's a lot of things that go into why people, why some people get nervous about this kind of stuff. And I think it's, and, and I should say before I say anything else that I have not actively followed this particular discussion. And I do that because a lot of stuff that's like, related to um particularly um gender equality and diversity issues within open source uh i i have gets very divisive and i've had some pretty bad feelings associated with that and it kind of kind of for lack of a better word kind of triggers me and so i'm not super comfortable with it so i've sort of like stepped away from getting involved in the conversation too much um and I haven't actively followed, uh, say, threads on the PHP internals list or things like that. Um, but I guess I'd say this. I think that um, 
observationally from what was put forth uh, by Anthony, um, it seemed in some ways to be a very, very complete solution, sometimes maybe in search of a problem. Um, maybe we have seen some issues that have, with things that how they've been handled in other projects. Uh, I can't speak so much because I don't really know. I can't think of something off the top of my head that was related to internals that would say require a, it would have indicated that there's, you know, an immediate and urgent need for say a, a fairly detailed, uh, conflict resolution policy and things like that. My feeling with this kind of stuff is this, that the first thing that you want to do, particularly um, when you're dealing with something that a lot of different people and a lot, from with a lot of different backgrounds and maybe reasons for have participated in over a long period of time, um, and when I talk about I talk about PHP, and you have to remember that PHP is not like any of the other major uh, interpreted languages that I can think of. In that there is, it is f far more anarchic, and I think intentionally so. Um, it has, uh, and, and, and because of that, because it, there has not been a culture of um, sort of one true ways, uh, there hasn't been, there's, it's been a very, very pragmatic culture and a very, very much resistant to, um, I would say, the, you know, uh, authority, authority. Uh, authoritarian probably sounds too strong, but I'd say, I think it, it views with skepticism, any one group taking too much control of that project. Um, and so I think that you're going to naturally, when people see, uh, a potential for sort of centralizing authority and giving certain people some power to say who can and can't contribute to the project. I think that's going to freak out a lot of folks. I think just the nature of that. Um, should they be scared? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I would say this though, that I think in a situation like that, um, like the one I'm describing here, which I hope is accurate, but maybe, maybe it's not. Um, that I think the first steps that I would take would be to not focus on, um, I would not focus on details, basically. I would focus on establishing positive, uh, values and, and I should, to be clear, codifying those values within a document, which, maybe is not what you'd call a code of conduct, but maybe a statement of values um, uh, of the project. Um, I mean, it's a lot of people get, you know, think it's very corny, but I think there is some value in ones that make sense in mission statements. Um, and is there a, you know, I, I honestly can't remember off the top of my head if there is a mission statement for the PHP project or a purpose statement, call it whatever you want to. Um, the, uh, 
But I think that it is important that there be an establishment of values. Uh, if you want a project or an organization or what have you to reflect certain values. And I think that statement needs to be adopted. That statement needs to be a, a core thing that people say, okay, that's what we do. And I'd say from that, if you establish the right um, values coming from that sort of, that kind of a codified statement, I think that will go a long way, not all the way, but will go a long way towards expressing, uh, excuse me, towards encouraging positive uh, behavior um, and helping folks, uh, you know, maybe make a little bit better decisions about certain kinds of things. Now, that being said, I think you do have to have some kind of conflict resolution. Um, I think you do have to think about those things. I think you do have to kind of put that stuff in place. However, I might argue that you don't do that all at once, especially with the group that you have and the, and the culture that you have with PHP. You know, I saw, I saw somebody post on Twitter about how it was, well, they said, oh, the Rails folks, it was so easy for them to Adobe up. I don't know why they use that verb, Adobe up a uh, code of conduct, but the PHP bros weren't, you know, are having so much trouble with it. And, you know, I think that what that tells you is, are they better or worse? No, but PHP is not like, say, the Rails project. It's not. It is culturally different. And there are a lot of people who are very skeptical and very um, concerned. And uh, I think, you know, with valid reason, uh, I'm a bit of a skeptic myself about centralized authority. And there are a lot of people who have been shit on because of various kinds of centralized authority, either ignoring them or uh, with good intentions or bad, um, uh, putting a bunch of focus on them that they may or may not have needed or deserved. Um, and so I think I can understand the concern. I think it's important to understand the concern because if you're not doing that, I think that it, it that's, I think being empathetic is a core value that I would hope that the PHP project tries to adopt. And that if, uh, and that's, that's what I'd like to see it do. And that if you're not willing to try to understand why somebody is afraid of those kinds of things, why they're kind of afraid of, you know, um, let's say um, never telling somebody who's been accused of doing something who the accuser is. There are reasons why people would be afraid of that because sometimes accusers get shit all over, but there's also times when the people who get accused get shit all over too. Um, or is it as much? I don't know. I, 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 historically, I guess I'd say probably not, uh, in the history of open source projects. I cannot tell you, I uh, can't tell you in that context, but in general, I think, 
I would want I would want to have taken a bit of a slower hand with this. Try to establish those values first. And then if you get people to buy into that, then you can start establishing policies and procedures that reflect those values. If you kind of do that all at once, I think sometimes you end up doing policies and procedures for the sake of policies and procedures. Um, and maybe not everybody's on the same page. And I think that's kind of, I think that maybe is some of what some people are afraid of. I don't know. I can't speak for everybody. Maybe some people are just douches. I don't know. <laughs> uh, and I'm sure there are some folks who, you know, I would agree with. And I can see their point. There's some people who I'd say, you know, no, I think that's really not how these things usually shake out. But uh, and I think that you're being unrealistic. But um, in general, I just think it's uh, something that I think if you're going to be empathetic and you want to embrace diversity, part of that is embracing people and trying to understand people who disagree with you and who say, I think that people should be, for, just to throw out another example, I think people should be allowed to own you know, as many guns as they want to, or I don't think there should be uh, single-payer socialized medicine, or I don't think you know this or that. I don't think there's a lot of value in just telling them that they're fucking idiots. Now, some of those people, maybe they are just fucking idiots and maybe there's, they just don't want the government bothering them. But I think there's some people who actually have some decent reasons for it and have thought about that stuff. I want to listen to them and I want to hear kind of where that comes from. And I'll try to figure that out. If for the only reason that it is much harder that you're, and you're never going to convince somebody if you don't understand why they think the way they think. You're never going to change their mind. And so uh, I think that goes a long way. And I, I hope that that's what people are doing. I haven't really, again, haven't followed that, that conversation a whole lot. Don't really want to step on uh, into internals because just reading I'm afraid is going to make me unhappy and I don't really want to be unhappy about it. Uh, I said a couple things on Twitter about uh, kind of where I felt like values were the things that you should focus on, establishing, codifying those worry about the other things maybe a little bit down the road but anyway that's where i'm coming from uh i'd be real interested to hear what you have to say about that amanda yeah so i i, I kind of tend to prefer the the hands-off approach and i feel like sometimes these these codes of conduct and i'm not necessarily saying in this case specifically but uh in several cases i've seen where people are just implementing them for the sake of implementing them and not a lot of thought goes into them um and they they tend to adopt these these things that are kind of all-encompassing, uh, that are pre-existing boilerplate uh, for their community. And I think it's really important that the, the community kind of dictates what goes on in their code of conduct. I, I don't think there's any one solution that fits every every organization or every project. Pretty much like you just said, uh, I mean, PHP is kind of its own little beast. And I think it's, it's pretty important for us to all sit down and, and hash this out and say, okay, well, we agree with these things, don't necessarily agree with these things. Uh, I, in particular, like to make sure that th things are kind of fair and balanced. Um, I, I have actually been bitten by the, the code of conduct thing before. Someone uh, filed a complaint against me for saying something, uh, but under this particular code of conduct, they were protected. I was not allowed to know who they were. I wasn't even allowed to know what I said. Uh, so to this day, still kind of fuzzy over what happened, um, got reprimanded for it. Uh, but I wasn't even allowed to apologize to this person. I couldn't say, you know, hey, you know, who did this? I just want to apologize. It was a, a miscommunication or something. Couldn't go into that because uh, they were 
completely, completely anonymous. So that's that's one of my concerns. It's one of the things that came up in the the discussion on the internals list is how do we protect the accuser and also how do we protect the accused? And uh, seems to not be as much thought into how to protect the accused. They've gone over a few iterations of that and uh, it seems to be getting better, to be fair. Uh, but that was uh, it was brought up early on. Uh, there's a clause in the the one that was proposed initially that basically says, you know, this this whole thing is subject to interpretation, and these things will be taken on a case by case basis. And I've seen that go really, really well, and I've seen it go really, really poorly. Um, and the 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 times when it's gone really, really poorly, it was it's pretty much a case of guilty until proven innocent. Uh, it descended into to witch hunting and just kind of segregated that community a little bit, and that that sucks. You know, nobody really likes to see that, and I would certainly hate to see that in the PHP community. I know it happens, but in the end, like, despite all the drama, people kind of seem to always stick together. Um, so I think, yeah, uh, when you're implementing something like this, you need to be really careful. And I, I definitely like that people are having a discussion about it. Uh, I think if that's what the community wants, then that's what they should do. Uh, they can feel free to implement this, not implement this, whatever. Uh, I'm not going to stand in their way one way or another. Uh, but I, I don't think initially a lot of consideration was given to how this could affect people, especially if you're accused of something and then you are removed from the project. Uh, even though it's just PHP internals, that, that has the potential to affect so many other facets. You know, you go to conferences and, and you're that person that's no longer part of PHP because you, you said or did something. And, and people kind of, they, they whisper, uh, it could affect your job prospects. You just never know. So. I think it's kind of a touchy subject, and I completely understand why people are concerned about it. I myself am, am kind of concerned for that very reason. Yeah. Anyway, those are our thoughts. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you know, Chris, I don't know if you have any uh, thought or rebuttal or what have you, but well, I think that I, kind of I think the I think the key, uh, I think there's two takeaways from this. Number one, there actually is no right answer when you talk about COCs, uh, there is no such thing as the perfect code of conduct. I mean, uh, I hear what Amanda's saying. Sounds like she got uh, screwed over by a really weird one where, uh, you know, someone complains about you, you're not allowed to find out what, what was it that you did, uh, apologize to the person, uh, you know, for whatever happened. I mean, that's very, very strange. I mean, also, uh, as another aside, I had a conversation with somebody else and I said one of the things I kind of disliked about the the code of conduct was the idea that people are trying to um, uh, layer the American legal system on top of this, on top of the project. The idea of, you know, it's innocent before proven guilty. And then I point out to this person that, you know, there's lots of legal systems where you're actually guilty uh, France being a, a key example of one, where you're actually guilty first, and the accused has to prove their innocence. It's the other opposite way around, and uh, you know, telling people PHP is really truly an international um, project. It's not run by a bunch of Americans. They have contributors from uh, all sorts of different parts of the world. So I look at that too. Thought, yeah, just people not under, just not being aware of the, of the fact that yes, there are legal systems where people are actually are guilty and they are have to prove their innocence instead of the the other way around. Uh, I just, I mean, some of my personal feelings about people who object to code of conducts are usually the type of people that the code of conduct itself is targeting. So of course they're bound to feel like they're being picked on. Um, I, 
I encourage people to understand that this is not about picking on individuals. This is about a community deciding how they want people who participate um, behave. And at, at the end of the day, I still think it's, if you don't like it, go on and, and contribute to another project. I mean, I, I really don't want to talk about it. Me personally, I just don't want to talk about code of conduct stuff um, more than I've done now because my feelings are it's it's going to pass and people are going to complain and the people who complain, well, they either get with the program or they just go do something else with their time. Um, uh, I would be one last thing. I would personally be shocked to find out that someone's career is is curtailed for um, for committing a code of conduct violation that is not actually like a legally actionable result. You, you kind of get what I'm what I mean. Perhaps I worded that wrong, but it's like getting kicked out for calling somebody a name is uh, highly unlikely. A uh, long sustained campaign of harassing somebody, um, yeah, that'll probably get you kicked out. And that's probably something that would probably draw the attention of uh, law enforcement in most countries. So I think people's worries about just arbitrarily being ejected from a community are overblown and feeds into a lot of people's, uh, not only their paranoia, and also, quite frankly, a lot of people have a very inflated view of themselves and their position within the PHP project, and uh, they're worried that their uh, cushy little job is somehow um, threatened by the fact that they may be required to minusculely modify their personal behavior. So I agree. I think where the the issue sort of is right now is that uh, it, it sounds like they're leaning towards having this committee and this committee can basically choose to do whatever they want to do. Um, so, you know, calling a name, uh, calling someone a name that might be incredibly offensive to somebody on this and they might factor that into their decision as to whether or not to ban you. So the, the, the code of conduct as it's currently written kind of makes that really wishy-washy and doesn't really elaborate on, you know, what sorts of infractions results in what sorts of punishments. And I think that's what people are afraid of is it's like, oh, well, you know, you you called me a wanker and I, I found that offensive and some committee decides, well, you know, you called that person a wanker. Get out of here. I think that, that's kind of where they're coming from on that. Yeah, but Phil's not involved in the project anymore, so we're all good. Yeah, I specifically did not say tosser, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but no, I do, I, do, I do get where you're coming from. I just, I uh, again, I just, a lot of these arguments are people people worry about the abuse and I think the instances of abuse are way, will be way, way fewer than people are anticipating and they won't be uh, as uh, life altering as some people imagine them to be. I mean, I'm, I mean, we're like almost an hour and uh, we're like 45 minutes into this and I'm just sick of talking about the COC because, because <laughs> I'm just like, if you don't like it, just don't participate in the project. It's a, it's like the idea with people getting uh, all uptight over stuff that's on television. It's like, well, you know, most televisions, you have the ability to change the channel. So if you don't like what you're watching, uh, we tend to live in societies where you're free to express a lot of uh, a lot of your own views. And if you don't like those views, then don't listen to the person talking about them. And until they stray to the point where they're actually violating the laws, then just move on. It's like if you if if you're worried about you won't be that your your patch won't be accepted to PHP because somebody doesn't like your political leanings. Well, I think you're kind of you're veering off into territory that doesn't really have anything to do with the code of conduct. And and I get slight whiffs of paranoia from people about stuff like that. Believe me, I've had lots of people talking to me about this, and most of them have said you are way too worried about this and this this magical Christmas land scenario you're talking about just simply won't happen. So. 
And, oh, and the one thing I would say, and I, I do sure. want to, I think we'll move on after this is it's not as if this is passed yet and it does require a two thirds majority. Um, and, and, the, uh, and, 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 yep. and, and Sorry, I, I'm actually not sure who, how you get voting rights. Do you have to have commit access to vote? Yes, you have to have karma, and karma, you get karma within the project for having um, done certain things, contributions, documentation stuff, because I know some people that have karma right. just from doing documentation. Right. So I would say if you are very concerned about it you and you participate in the language project, you have opportunities to both discuss it and, and to vote on it. And uh, I think you yeah, should, just, if that's yeah. something that, that, that is, you know, that is a, is a concern of yours. And I, you know, there's nothing wrong with voting yes or no. It doesn't mean you're a terrible person just because if you think uh, maybe I don't like this, I don't like it, how it's proposed and I'm going to vote. No, that doesn't mean you're a devil. You know, yeah, it just and, means that you disagree. Yeah, that's okay. You know, we Anthony vote against himself, a lot of stuff. Yeah, Anthony himself has said that this is just a request for comments about a potential code of conduct. It's this is right. It's that's far, true. It's far from a done deal. So people getting all twisty about it. Don't worry. You have you'll have lots more time to yell and scream about a, about a code of conduct. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely have seen some pretty unconstructive things. So hopefully they'll, they'll get that back on track and start being constructive with the dissenting opinions a bit more. <laughs> yes, constructive is good. Yes. All right, so next thing up on our docket is uh, uh, Ed's feeling, and I agree with him, that uh, Composer saved PHP. I, I agree with you on this topic 100%, Ed. Yeah, I wrote about this in uh, in a... Uh, one of those sort of advent uh, projects where people blog for 24 days, which um, I think you get sort of a bunch of people blogging for each day. And uh, I think there's like 8 million of those now for developers. Um, but I, uh, I, I wrote for this one called 24 days in December. Uh, and I better paste this into the notes so that I've got it. And in it, I talked about like why I'm still using PHP and, um, a big reason without going, you know, we've talked a lot about this on the, on the previous episodes of the podcast. And, you know, when I, we started recording it, I was kind of, I was pretty burned out on PHP in a lot of ways. And, um, I was burned out because for the biggest thing for me was that I felt like you had a situation where good quality libraries were locked up inside larger frameworks and they weren't written. Um, they were written to work with those frameworks, not necessarily to just work on their own. Um, and I believe a big reason for that is because there was nothing like NPM or Python or excuse me, or PIP or uh, what's that crap? Gems. I don't know. Is that what you call it? <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, Ruby, yep, yeah. Gems. Yep. Yeah. Gems. Uh, there wasn't anything like that for uh, PHP. Um, now some would say, well, there was pair. Well, yes, there was pair. However, the issues with pair were not necessarily one of, was it possible to, accomplish the same things that you do with some of those other package managers and that you could install third-party packages and not just say the pair library set, but in fact, anybody could set up their own pair channel and that kind of stuff. 
Um, yes, you could absolutely do those things. However, discovering those libraries was uh, quite challenging often. Um, so it was there sort of wasn't a single place, a single resource to find those kinds of things that there would be with uh, is with NPM. PIP actually, it seems like it's a little bit hard to browse packages for that, um, but uh, you still do okay with it. Um, and uh, at least like a website I could just browse around in. Um, but so, so, and I feel like when you have something like that, a, you know, and I don't know enough about CPAN, you know, I know that there was a reaction that in some ways the pair library set, whatever you want to call it, uh, is a, was sort of a reaction to CPAN, which had like a ton of stuff in it, I guess. Um, and of some of it was of questionable value, I guess, in quality that I can't judge as well. So I'm judging this more from sort of the, the NPM side, the PIP side, um, and the quality of stuff that I usually saw in there. And typically what I saw was a lot of simpler libraries that were designed to, that were not specific, say, to a particular framework, but were interoperable with anything you were working, doing in PHP. Um, they generally were relatively high quality, had sets of tests written for them, had some okay documentation. Uh, and and um, so relatively high quality, um, small scope libraries. There were lots of those, particularly found a lot of those in PIP. Um, and I thought that was really solid and I really liked that. And so going back to that, um, was, uh, appealing, like, like trying to find, like going there and doing some stuff in Python or doing some stuff in node and having that experience. And then going back to working on PHP and finding that like, oh, I have to find a, something that say does X. And I end up that the, I find something that describes it, but it's hosted on Google code still, which even by then was dying. And um, I have to download like an 80 megabyte zip file and uh, figure out how, where to install it and how do I get it to work with my auto loader and all this stuff. And, uh, and oftentimes it was just a crapshoot. You had to download it and look at it and check it out, see if it was any good. Um, you know, hope that it worked okay. And sometimes it did. Sometimes it didn't. Um, I really feel strongly that composer and the packagist, uh, repositories, um, changed the nature of what was valued in PHP, because I think it went from having sort of uh, segregated buildings of frameworks that did not necessarily interrupt all that well uh, from that being valued to uh, I want to pick a library that does X for me. So I'm going to go to packages. I'm going to find something like that. I'm going to try it out. And I'm, and I just, you know, I type, a, you know, a few characters in composer install burp, burp, burp. 
and it installs it for me and sets up my autoloader for me and tells me it does all that stuff. And then I can start trying using and using it. And I think what ends up being valued out of there uh, was instead of was interoperability, high code quality, high test coverage, good documentation. Those are the ways that you get something that uh, is well liked and, and attractive on, on packages that, that floats to the top. And so while you still do see stuff that's say specific to uh, certain frameworks, uh, there's a lot of um, uh, what's the thing? There's a lot of Laravel specific stuff, a lot of Zen framework specific stuff sometimes. But in general, I would say it's pretty easy to find stuff that solves the problem that you want to solve and doesn't have a bunch of dependencies. And that was really appealing to me. Um, And I think that that really changed the way that people work with PHP, that a lot of people work with PHP. Um, I think that it changed what we value in it. And it also, I think, pushed forward um, a lot of the work in of the PSRs in the uh, interoperability group. Um, I think that it's a framework interoperability group. That's how it started off. But really what it is now is a take out the framework. It's a PHP interoperability group. Uh, and um, I don't, I think it's become much more active. There's much more stuff that it can do uh, standards that can be set with those PSRs. And those uh, I think, I think all of that really comes out of the fact is, do you have a good centralized package manager? And coming from that, then I think all these other things become possible. So for me, the reason why I'm still doing PHP is realistically is because of Composer. And without that, I don't think I would have. I think I would go back to something else. But it really, development of PHP got a lot better. Uh, I think, and I think you can attribute a lot of, uh, what happened, I think has, uh, has composer at the core of it as that was a key thing that if you did not have that, those things would not happen. So anyway, that's kind of my spiel about that. Hello. Yeah, we're still here. Sorry. My, at my end, things were just acting really weird. I had to unplug a whole bunch of stuff and plug it back in. Yeah, I'll unplug Um, you. Yeah. Hey, 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 COC. Um, yeah, no, I don't, I really, I really don't think, uh, you can, uh, overstate how, what, uh, what a huge influence composer has had on a uh, modern PHP. You're right. I mean, pair was, pair was like the ancestor, but what made, I, I think the, the missing piece was, uh, just how goddamn difficult it was to get your own packages, um, available through pair to run your own pair server, all that stuff. It was, it was ridiculous. Um, how, how many steps, how difficult it was And composer, um, and packages just said, Hey, you know what? Let's make this easy. Let's have one central location, uh, for package discovery. Uh, we'll create a tool that's easy for people to use. Uh, and then, you know, add in the auto loading, add in all those other things. And before you know, it, it's like, yes, you can now import other people's uh, libraries and components and all that stuff. And I'm sorry, I missed like a good two minutes uh, that we were talking. I just couldn't hear because my uh, I was moving and trying to pick something up. And I, I think I 
stretched out my headphone cable a little bit too much and the the blue yeti went nuts and all i heard was like robotic noises coming from ed so i apologize for missing if if we cover some of the stuff already but composer has just made it so simple to use other people's code in your project and have it auto loaded and available uh and i just i don't think php is where it is now in term in terms of how easy it is for people to build php applications um without it Hands down, hands down, the best thing that has happened to PHP in the last four years, I would say, easy. Uh, and for me, the only thing that kind of tops is, is um, PHP seven being pushed so hard by um, the uh, HHVM folks, uh, and now we have a really awesome version of PHP that is backwards compatible in many, many ways. And again, as with most versions of PHP, newer ones that come out. Uses less memory, more features, more performant um, than previous versions. It's people don't realize how hard it is to keep continually improving the uh, performance uh, and memory usage of a programming language. It's not easy. It can't be easy, considering how how much work you have to do. Yeah, really. Yeah. I'd agree with that. Um, so it's interesting that you, you bring up CPAN because I, I did stop doing PHP for a little while to take on some Perl stuff. And as I was doing that, I mean, I, I loved CPAN. I found it so easy to just install the thing I needed to install. Um, if I didn't like what was there, I was welcome to either submit patches, make my own, get it sent upstream so that other people could use it. Uh, you could take a look and see if something was going to work for you without even needing to install it. Um, it was really great. And I, I was kind of PO'd that PHP didn't really have something similar at the time. Um, they, they made it kind of a pain in the ass to do. Uh, so I was actually pretty stoked when I came back and, and saw that Composer was kind of the, the way that people were doing things. Uh, and it, it made a world of difference. And, you know, people like to bicker about CPAN, but I, I really think it, it's been around since like the early 90s, I think. And it's been kind of, I think it's been kind of underrated. Um, and I'm, I'm really happy to see that, that PHP kind of caught on to that idea. Oh yeah, CPAN, because when I worked at Cinecore, they have a lot of Perl hackers there, so I did have to play around with CPAN a few times, and it's like, oh yeah, if Composer could like get to like half of what CPAN is, that would be amazing, because oh, CPAN yeah. is just so, so useful. So uh, I, th I think the last thing that's really missing from Composer, and people are working on it, is basically creating a composer for extensions to make uh, doing PHP extensions way, way easier. That is like kind of like the last um, last frontier of of really not develop being not developer friendly is the process of of uh, getting extensions compiled and installed. That's kind of the last last frontier. Once composer, I know people are I know I follow Pierre Joy on um, Twitter, um, a French PHP developer who does internal stuff. And I believe he is working with the folks who are trying to make installing extensions for PHP just as easy um, as, as packages are with Composer. Oh, that'd be great. That'd be super, because super I'm, great. Oh, because I remember so many times, okay, I need this extension. All right. Do I have, you know, the compiler on here? Do I have the right headers? Do I have the right development libraries? Then you find yourself, you're installing libraries with whatever your operating systems package management system is. And then, okay, we need the developer tools. Okay, I have GC. Okay, I need autoconf. I need automake. I now need this. Mm. I need that. It's like, I mean, I've done it enough times that I just literally, like I am doing now, roll my eyes and install the missing piece and try it again and, and over and over again. But uh, um, that's kind of the last thing to get over trying to find an easy way to get PHP extensions installed. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to, I've, I've encountered C extensions for Ruby just a tiny bit 
um, with a precursor to uh, in Vim, there's a plugin that I use called Control P that allows you to do fuzzy searching of file names. Um, and it works really, really fast. You have a version that will you do it via using Vim script. But there was like a precursor to it that you would need uh, Ruby and a specific C extension for it to work. So you had to know how to compile a C extension for Ruby. And it wasn't quite as hairy as it is doing PHP stuff, but pretty close. Yeah, for the PHP stuff, uh, there was actually a point in time where it was easier for me to use Gen 2 Linux for PHP things than it was to use Debian or something, specifically because of the extensions. Um, anything I needed, uh, it was a make flag. So you just add a make flag and you're good to go. And you, you could compile things. And I, I spent hours beating my head against the wall trying to get that to work on different platforms. And you, you're absolutely right. I mean, it was a pain in the ass. It was a pain in the ass. Yeah. I mean, it still is, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, kind of, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just think it was it's really cool and, and, and something to think about. It was, you know, uh, it was in, I think it was inspired by something that, that uh, that that post that I made on the on the Advent uh, blog of twenty four days in December is really inspired by that this uh, reaction that uh, or the story that Chris had told me about uh, somebody asking um, one of uh, asking him when he was starting at Mozilla. Uh, so you know, hey, what did you work on? I've been doing PHP for the last twenty years, and he was like, oh, I'm sorry, and he's like, oh, well, you know, I. Have you know made a lot of money doing that? So, and I was kind of like, you know, yeah. I mean, I got on people say things, and I'm sorry, but I don't know. I actually think PHP development right now isn't too bad. So that's the thing. Oh yeah, that was basically that conversation where I had that particular person. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, laugh all you want, but all I know is I'm working four days a week and you're not. So, well, it's always a good thing. Always a good thing to throw at people who criticize uh, criticize my methods and my uh, tools of choice. I'd say, well, all I know is I get paid really well, and I sit at home on Fridays doing whatever the hell I want. So laugh all you want, I guess. I'm laughing all the way to my private bank. Yeah, private it's bank. been sort of interesting to see the, the resurgence of PHP, and especially PHP jobs. There was a while when it was a little difficult, um, but now they're freaking everywhere. And for every different framework, for you know, pretty much anything you can think of related to PHP, there's a job for it now. Yes. which is good because I mean the, the the thing I've I've seen from a lot of folks that people that uh, do PHP for any uh, period of time uh, they end up learning a lot of uh, complementary tools so they end up using a lot more languages and I mean perhaps it's just an impression I get but it kind of seems like the PHP folks are way more pragmatic about their choices and uh, way uh, way less likely to uh, insist on um, language tool purity Whereas uh, folks who are using a lot of other languages seem to insist that their solutions have to come from within that community. Whereas PHP folks are like, yeah, man, I'm doing these services. I'm, I'm totally writing this one in Go. I don't care. It's better It's better for this particular purpose. Or they're like, yeah, I learned JavaScript, so we're doing this MV. We know we're, we're doing Angular on the front, and I'm reworking my PHP stuff just to be serving up JSON um, responses. So, I mean, uh, it strikes me that the PHP folks learn to be pragmatic a lot quicker than... Um, than programmers in other languages. I mean, I mean that's a self-selecting type thing, but that's kind of the feeling I get from um, talking to people who work with other languages and just following trends and looking at stuff. 
Yeah, I think I'd agree with that, especially as I, I mean, I dabble in a whole bunch of stuff and a whole bunch of different communities run into people at events and all sorts of things. And I, I think I'd agree with that. Uh, the PHP people, they, they tend to be scrappy because they had to be. There was a point in time when the, the tools they had were not working out for them, so they sought other ones. Yeah, right, so yeah. I think I, it, PHP folks are one of the things I really like about it. Exceedingly pragmatic and and uh, not in love with their language <laughs> to the to extent that they want they want to ignore everything else. And I like that. That fits my style, I guess. So, yeah, that. All right. So I believe we're like an hour and a bit into our conversation. There's did we cover everything? Oh, there's one more thing uh, one that we can talk about. Thing. Do you want to do you want to get that, or do you want to save it for when when we're together in another two weeks? Oh, let's talk about it now. It's fresh in my mind. It's All right. So Code Mash. Yeah, I was at Code Mash for like 24 hours. Um, uh, Graph Story, the lovely company that I work for. All of you, of course, know that uh, you should go to Graph Story and sign up for a free trial and find the how graph databases change your life. When all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a graph. Exactly. And, excuse me, I had to burp because of saying that. <clears throat> yes, uh, better. Cider. Uh, so anyway, I was there because we were a sponsor of Code Mash, Code uh, Graph Story uh, was. And so I got to go up there and I would have been there the whole week, but my wife just got a new job uh, working. Um, she's not going to be uh, work as a inpatient care anymore. She is going to work on the team that handles the EMR system. That's the electronic medical records. Um, and it uses this super, super complex uh, piece of software called Epic that I think is the most popular kind of EMR system. And it is, I'm sure, batshit, insane, complex. Anyway, uh, so she had to go because she just started this job. She went down to, for some onboarding and such like that uh, to Indianapolis uh, and stay overnight. So I had to, I couldn't leave till Thursday. I left Thursday morning. Um, of course, so then Codemash had already been going on for a couple of days. And, but it's only about four hours from where I live. So I drove out there and met up with the folks uh, from the, from Graph Story. And one of the, I guess the kind of one of the main reasons I went was so that I would give a talk and because sponsors get a sponsor talk slot, a 45 minute sponsor talk slot. And I was, uh, you know, we talked back and forth about what we might do a talk on, but uh, the other folks at Craft Story said, you should do your mental health talk there. And I said, are you sure? Because it's, I mean, it's sort of a sponsor section. I mean, maybe we should talk about stuff that's going to, you know, make the company money or something. I don't know. And they said, no, you should do your thing. So I said, okay, that's really cool. And so I got to give my talk there at CodeMash as in the sponsor uh, slot for Graph Story. Uh, which was pretty awesome of uh, my fellow uh, colleagues there, uh, fellow colleagues that doesn't make of my colleagues there, and uh, I had so I had a chance to to get that talk there. It was really cool, and there was somebody else who actually was giving a non-sponsor talk um, called Mental Health at Work. Her name is Madeline Parker, uh, and she gave that talk 
um, actually right before mine. It was kind of crazy. So, you know, she did hers and then I went over to my room and did mine. So that was pretty cool. Um, and, uh, I, that's what happened. Uh, I was surprised. I guess I wasn't surprised, but it's strange that it is a huge conference. And, but I think maybe I was less aware of it because, um, they don't sort of do a lot of PHP stuff there. I don't think like angrily, but I think I just hadn't heard about it a whole bunch just because it's, they don't do a lot of PHP stuff, but it's a big conference. I think it's at least as big as OSCON. So I would think there were maybe a couple thousand people there. Yeah, I've spoken at, I've been to CodeMash twice and spoken there. And uh, yeah, it was most of the P, the PHP content was the both times I was there was myself and one other person I had never heard of. So um, right. that was, that was basically, I know that Jason Gilmore, I don't know if you people know who he is, uh, um, a longtime author. He did a lot of PHP books. Uh, he's gone on, he's doing other stuff now. I, I think I follow him on Twitter still, I think. Uh, maybe just doesn't tweet very much. Um, he's on the committee there. And I've, you know, I raised it with him before. I said, you, if you want more PHP folks coming, you need to work harder and advertise more. And just because you say, oh, we'll take PHP talks, it doesn't, it's not the same thing. It's really not the same thing as as encouraging PHP people to submit. The times I went there, it was all Ruby and JavaScript. And I got told, well, you know, this is the Midwest and there's not a lot of PHP. And I'm like thinking, that's just not true. I'm <laughs> like, yeah, there's, I'm like in the groups and circles you run in. Okay, sure. I can see that. But I'm like, I'm thinking there's probably more PHP developers than everybody else here put together. So um, right. it's a very interesting and very entertaining uh, conference. As I was telling in the thing before, um, during the pregame show, um, that uh, I was very fortunate enough that when um, Gary Bernhardt, a very vocal and very super talented programmer, gave his very famous lightning talk entitled WAT, where he like showed just really weird behavior with Ruby and JavaScript, um, just as a lightning talk, just randomly on um, uh, one night when they were doing them. Um, I, the What Ed didn't mention that is really the big draw of CodeMash is the venue that it's at. It's in Sandusky, Ohio, mm-hmm. um, which is right right near the lake, uh, near Lake Erie. And mm-hmm. it's in the Kalahari Resort, which is, which is a humongous resort with like the largest indoor water park that you'll probably ever see in your life. It is huge. I've made the mistake of going to that place first. It's like my first water park experience. And I've been to uh, several others and they've all fucking sucked compared to the Kalahari, to be perfectly honest. Uh, my wife said the same thing when we went to a couple other places. Like, yeah, this just doesn't compare. The only one that, uh, only other water park that I know of that compares even remotely in size and number of available activities is there one that's in Germany that's in an old hangar that used to store, and this is not lying, um, like zeppelins and blimps, and mm-hmm. it got turned into it got turned into a, um, a water park. Um, just it, it's just amazing to go and um, all sorts of different rides. They have a lazy river that actually takes like twenty to twenty five minutes to go all the way around. If you're like hanging out in an inner tube and you go all the way around, it's 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 very very impressive. Sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, 
So uh, when I went, I got treated very, very well by the staff. Um, they have lots of activities uh, for family members as well. They do like a like a, a a kids mash type thing where they have activities for kids to get into programming and and do different stuff. Um, so yeah, quite definitely. The, the only other conference I've been to that's even close to that in size is when I was in Sweden and I went to Oradev, which was this big, humongous web dev conference that's every year, like around end of January, beginning of February or something like that. I think that's when it is, or maybe I'm confusing with another. Maybe it's in November, but sometime in the winter time. That was a same thing like all these developers all these different programming languages uh like 10 talks going on at once um yeah i i think it's as a speaker i think it's interesting to go to one of those conferences just once to get the idea of what it's like to speak and participate in such a humongous event but yeah code mesh interesting conference but like if you're into php there's not a lot of reasons to go i mean if you're into other stuff uh they always seem to focus around a couple of like certain there's i guess because the organizers know people that work with certain languages so whatever the organizers happen to be into that's what the conference ends up being into so well it started started off as net stuff and then as the people got who were sick of doing net moved on and started doing like ruby then it was all sorts of ruby then one year was all sorts of javascript and i'm sure this year they had some other weird unique focus to it um the one thing i thought was interesting is that they it's still pretty clear we ran into you know sitting at the sponsor booth the the graph story booth and the people who came by lots of net folks um or not surprisingly lots of javascript folks too i mean because lots of people do javascript right almost everybody does javascript to some extent uh if they're doing web dev um so there's still a lot of that. And, you know, it's it's that's sort of like the roots of that project, I think, comes out of people who did a lot of stuff for Microsoft. And I think the current organizer, like head lead person, is might be a Microsoft employee. I'm not 100% sure of that. So if I'm wrong, please don't hurt me. Uh, but um, it's, uh, boy, it's a big conference. Like, you go, you eat dinner, and they've got, like, a big stage with a bunch of lights on it and stuff like that. And they're doing stuff and bringing people up and talking about stuff. And, you know, it's a thing. Um, but they also talk a lot about open source and Ruby, JavaScript, and stuff like that. And just just my observations from, from what I saw. So it seems like they have a lot of stuff. But it's true that uh, they don't have a lot of uh, PHP stuff there. Um, and I would, I would hope that they, uh, try to embrace that a bit more, but yeah, just saying, you know, Hey, we take it. That is maybe not, that's probably not going to actually get a ton of people in there. So, uh, I think you sort of have to make a concerted effort to, uh, to represent stuff, um, and, and get it, make an effort to say, Hey, we are sort of culturally changing a little bit and diversifying. Where have we heard that before? <laughs> huh. Hashtag nervous laughter. So one of the things I was thinking we might talk about would be, what are we doing in the next little bit? And I'll start. I will be speaking at Pi, Tennessee. Um, oh, actually, I'm going to be, first off, I'm going to be at Ski PHP in Salt Lake City, like, next week. Uh, flying out Wednesday, so in, like, two or three days uh, doing that. And then in early February, I'll be going to Nashville for Pi, Tennessee. And this would be a good opportunity to mention to uh, 
to people who work at companies with lots of money that I know Pie Tennessee for one reason or another has had a lot, uh, has had some difficulty getting sponsors to help out with them. And it is a really, really cool conference run by really awesome people. And uh, I know they need some help. So uh, if people are listening to this or perhaps the people who are on this podcast else uh, might um, be able to say something to somebody and put something in their ear, uh, that'd be cool because they've been super supportive of the stuff that I do. um, And it is a really, really wonderful, friendly community conference. And I want to see them keep being able to do the awesome stuff that they do. So feel so, guilty. So for me, uh, I'm on my uh, I'm in the winter travel ban period right now, mm-hmm. so I don't have any um, events coming up. I do know that the um, the wool, woolly mammoth elephants are on their way. They're in a boat, uh, literally in a boat in a shipping container, heading across the uh, Pacific towards Canada. So they will be here sometime in February, if I remember correctly. So finally, we'll be able to ship those things out. Um, I do know for those who listen in the local area at the end of January, the 20, I have to get a calendar. I believe it's the 27th. I am going to be speaking at the Guelph, Ontario PHP users group. Guelph's like about a half hour away from me. I know uh, I have some friends there, uh, who continually ask me to come. And now that I finally have snow tires on test more, I can actually brave the elements and uh, um, blaze on down the highway and na- uh, navigate the icy roads once I get off there. Um, and come and speak. Uh, I've been allowed to speak about whatever I want, so um, I have no idea what I'm going to talk about yet. I, I may actually just steal a bunch of material and talk about modern PHP and talk about Composer and all that other nonsense um, uh, to do uh, a grumpy old man's perspective on on PHP now as as opposed to back then. Uh, for me, like that's it for January. Nothing for February, just my kid's birthday. I'm playing in some magic tournament in January. Uh, other than that, nothing. Uh, then I guess... I guess for those who are into the conferences, uh, there are still several uh, call for papers open for some of the late spring, early summer conferences. So if you want to, um, I suggest you subscribe and we're going to put links to it to uh, the CFP report that Cal Evans puts together every week. Um, You'll get an email with all the current um, CFPs that are open. So if you want to do that sort of stuff, I highly recommend you get on those emails. Uh, I know PHP South Coast, which is in England, is closing very, very soon as we record this. Uh, PHP Australia might be closed already, but I mean, uh, uh, PHP Tech, which has moved to St. Louis, um, I will not be attending. Um, not because it's in St. Louis, but just because I'm likely doing. <laughs> I know I've been banned St. from Louis. St. Louis. Yeah, I'm banned from St. Louis. Uh, I got thrown off the arch, and I'm not allowed to come back. Um, because I have some activities I'm doing in April and June and July, and I thought maybe I should have a month where I actually stay home. Unless I, unless Matt Frost convinces me to do another crazy road trip like we did, um, because St. Louis is like eight hours of driving from where he lives. So I don't know, maybe I'll go. have to see. Uh, it could be fun driving to St. Louis again, but um, we'll have maybe. to see how that goes. If you are road tripping with Matt, I definitely expect some videos of singing. <laughs> yes, we'll uh, we'll definitely do our our, karaoke, our our karaoke stuff for sure. Because that was the Prince one was pretty was a lot of fun as we're driving around these like rural Ohio roads and mass recording us singing to Prince. So it was kind of interesting. Um, what about you, Amanda? Any upcoming conference appearances? Uh, conferences you're you're going to as an attendee? 
Uh, no. So I pretty much don't go to conferences as an attendee anymore. Um, <laughs> well, actually, that's not entirely true. So the the first one I'm going to this year is actually a PHP Cruise, but that will be oh. the one I go to as an attendee. Uh, Ooh, yay! I'll see you there then. Yes, you will. Yes, yes. Uh, you were so specially invited to speak, Chris. I was, unlike you, Ed. Yep, that's right. Yeah. Well, I wasn't invited to speak either, for what it's worth. Yeah. So. Cash money. I, I will be one of the cash money, cash right? Ones. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no. So the uh, I, I'm actually uh, speaking at Southern California Linux Expo at the end of the month, which is going to be pretty cool. It's in San Diego. Friend of Linux, you should definitely check it out. Uh, and then actual PHP conferences, I will be speaking at Sunshine PHP in February. Hey, you need to get me in on some of that Linux crap. Maybe they'd be up for my talks. Yeah. Um. So I can put you in touch with a few people. Actually. That'd be super cool. Yeah. Ping me about that sometime yeah, or drop me an email or something. Yeah, uh, there's a there's a few on the list. Hit you up on Peach. We're doing business right now. We're doing business. Oats. We're hustling. Uh, my wife just texted me, so I have to turn off the like the furnace to turn off the fans down in the basement, so it doesn't pick up on the recording. And she's like, "It's like 50 degrees in here." And I'm like, <laughs> "Yes, it probably is. I, we really should do that." So I wrap this up before the uh, whole interior of the house is covered in frost. Um, but we've got, uh, so was, was, is that all the stuff I interrupted you, Amanda, I think? Um, for now, I have a bunch of, uh, talks submitted to various places. Um, I will definitely be at Laricon as well. If anybody's going to that. Awesome. I, I, I'm hoping to, but, uh, I, I sent, uh, homeboy, uh, uh, a, a message and he hasn't responded. So I don't know. Maybe Taylor hates me again. I don't know. I don't again. I don't think he ever hated me. So I don't know. Where that. where is uh, Laricon US this year again? It's gonna be Louisville again. Louisville. It's gonna be in Louisville again. Which is a which is a great venue and is a great. It's easy for me because it's a little three hour drive. It's real nice. So I love going there. We'll have to, we'll have to make sure Jeremy McCullough comes over with uh, dumbs down some of the uh, PHP Jeopardy Ooh, questions. Way tough. It was like, who invented PHP? Uh, yeah. No, like nobody knew. It was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, they yeah. picked uh, great venues. Uh, the year before, I was in the Scholastic Building in New York City, which was amazing. And that was actually my first time going, my first experience with uh, Laravel in general, actually. And it was pretty positive. Yeah, I've made my peace with Laravel. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I, retweet, yeah. I retweet stuff Jeffrey and Matt Stoffer do all the goddamn time. I, yeah, that's true. You absolutely they're, do. They're yeah. working super hard. Laravel's fine. I'm just over it. I just, I, I just, I, I just choose not to use yeah. it. Just because you don't use it doesn't mean that you're a bad person or it's bad. Yeah, for sure. I mean, no, everybody's not, got their thing that they like, and everybody's got their things that they don't like. It's whatever. There's no so one way. People are going to judge me on all sorts of other ridiculous things anyway. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Definitely. Judge so. Um, I want to wrap up and say thanks to our sponsors at uh, Wonders Network. Uh, I, I understand that they've set up a, uh, a location at the uh, John Carpenter Research Center in Antarctica. And uh, that, but they've recently lost contact with it. So that's all I know. So maybe, maybe don't use that one. Use one of the other ones, like the one in Latvia or something. The penguin did it. Penguin did it. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I can see, I could totally see a big bearded Paul with the little flamethrower thing trying to figure out which server is real and which one has been possessed by the alien. I can totally see Paul doing that. <laughs> he's got, he's got like a, 
a like a, a 10 port hub and he's taking a, a like an ethernet cable from each one to see which one like explodes when he plugs it in so it's like okay which one of you is should you safe and he takes the ethernet plugs it in nothing happens well i just hope it will doesn't it. get his hands bitten off when he goes into the intelligent rack down uh, there in antarctica yeah he shouldn't have tried to give that guy cpr that was a bad scene yes rough times rough times so anyway amanda general we're talking about no, I have no idea. Okay, you yeah, well, okay. You, you have a homework assignment. You need to go watch John Carpenter's The Thing. Okay. I mean, the one from like 1982, not the yeah. more the, the recent real one. one. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not, not the one from the 50s. You want to watch the one from the 80s? Yeah, the, yeah the, that that too. Yeah. Have you seen that one, the original one, Ed? Have you ever uh, watched when that I one? was a little kid? Yeah, it was like on TV when I was little, but I haven't seen it forever. I know there was a guy who who played like a he was a Western star, like a TV show Western. Played the the creature. Yeah, the guy who was in Gunsmoke. Uh, the the Gunsmoke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's was real tall. He's like six foot five. I think that's one of the reasons yeah. he was playing this thing. Basically, it was just a big dude in that movie. Yeah. But it was made out of plants. Yes. Are you talking about cool. the the big tall bald dude? Uh, something else. There's a big tall bald dude that was in like a ton of Western movies. No, that's not that guy. Are, not you, are you thinking of Yul Brynner? I might be. Okay. Yeah, no, not Yul Brynner. Okay. Him or Shaquille O'Neal. She means one or the <laughs> other. <laughs> now that links to Yul Brynner, so these crazy kids know who we're talking about. Yeah. Matt Dillon from Gunsmoke. Yeah, Dillon. All right. Anyway, um, uh, so yeah, that was the 1950s one. So as far as I know, uh, the station's been wiped out. Um and then we have Rove, uh, who have now basically are, are junkers, uh, kind of in the same uh, thing that the uh, Ayers family does on Making a Murderer. Um, that's basically what they're up to now. Uh, saw an opening and went for it. So you got your old, uh, got your old computer. You got your uh, old Xbox 360 that's busted. Um, you got a couch that maybe has some aluminum in it. Uh, they'll take it off your hands and give you uh, food. So if you're a scavenger, talk to Rove. Also, if you need PHP developers. And that's what I got. Shout out to my boy, Marco Pavetta, who I have his super expensive uh, magic cards at my house and I'm trying to sell them. If you want a black Lotus, let me know. Black Lotus. Uh, so this I has think been, that's some opium that I bought. Yeah, no, the Black Lotus. This card's worth about ten to twelve thousand dollars US. And you could buy a just, lot of opium with that. Could buy a lot of opium with that. But anyway, that's a topic for another time. Uh, so we should see everybody in about two weeks. So this has been episode number seventy of the Development Hell podcast. You can find every single episode along with uh, Ed's uh, stunning choice of episode title and always episode appropriate graphic. Um, I've started doing the notes, so if you don't like the notes, blame Ed because he asked me to do them. Uh, DevHell.info. Every single episode is up there. Uh, also, if you listen to us via iTunes, please, please, please uh, rate the podcast. Let us know uh, that you enjoy what we're doing. You can also find us on Twitter at dev underscore hell. I finally have the password so I can do ridiculous career limiting tweets using the uh, dev hell um, account now. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm grumpy programmer without a U. We can find Ed on Twitter as Funkatron with a U. Uh, we'll add in the show notes uh, Amanda's Twitter uh, account so you can harass her. Uh, 
because of her anti-Canuckite leanings. So uh, thanks for joining us, and we will be talking to you soon. Good night, Internet.